Y'all ready for this? Hey guys, I'm Rachel. All ready for this? I'm Erin. This is gonna be unsettling. Deeply. <laughs> <laughs> control it it was just it was immediately beyond my control oh man thanks mm. need that mm. oh that's my case my scooby-doo case keeps sliding away so welcome back take a deep breath yeah that, that was a lot Ugh. um if you hear any weird noises it may or may not be my stomach it is um hungry I just got my stitches out of my mouth she only had a pickle I only had a pickle <laughs> let me tell you children take care of your teeth and when they tell you a root canal will fix all your problems, they lie in. Yeah? Yeah. When I was like 18, I had a really bad cavity. And they're like, you know, if you get a root canal, you'll never have to worry about this again. I'm like, okay. So I did. And then, um, you know, your root canals can eventually crack, mm. especially if you're like a nighttime teeth grinder uh-huh. or just like a stressed out person. So they crack, but you don't really know because it doesn't hurt because there's no nerve. <sighs> so then it just becomes infected. Yeah. And then it has to be removed and you have to get a bone graft. And then, once that's all healed, about a year later, you get to get an implant put in, which is like a titanium screw in your jaw that they click a little tooth on top. So I got the stitches out because my implant base is now in my head, but it has to sit for four months, completely untouched. It's covered up. You can't see it. Um, But it has to sit for four months, and then they uncover it, which is essentially like a hole punch to get back into my gums. And then they twist out the little screw that they put in, which is like a temporary one. And as long as the permanent one doesn't spin, which means my bone has formed around the socket, I get to have a tooth again. Y'all ain't ready for this. So take care of your teeth. No taking. Get dental insurance. And, um, you know, sometimes it's just easier to pull your tooth. If you don't see it, maybe you don't need it. Because I would have had that shit pulled. Well, eventually I did. And now mm. I'm paying double. It's also very expensive. Yeah. Teeth. Luxury. Teeth. Yeah, you know. The God, luxury of Mel. God bless America. So anyway, I want you to use your imagination for a moment, right? Dust it off. Yeah. Go. <laughs> <laughs> the dust rolls. So it's late fall, early winter in Rhode Island. And you finally found a home big enough and within your price range for your family. The home is set on 200 sprawling acres that will allow your five daughters to play. The land comes with barns and workshops and room for your dog and cats to run. Your wife finally has the kitchen she's always hoped for. Your daughters have their own bedroom, which they haven't had before because that's a luxury. And this house has 14 bedrooms. There's a spacious basement for storage and plenty of privacy. The trees are bare now, but in the summer, you would assume they'd be lush and offer shade. You close on the deal of buying this new home. You sign the paperwork, 
And as the old homeowner hands you the keys, they look you dead in the eyes and say, for the safety of your family, leave the lights on at night. And an immediate chill runs up your spine as you sank your entire savings into something that doesn't feel picturesque anymore. Mm-mm. This was the unfortunate real-life scenario that the Perrin family found themselves in. Now, we've talked about my attic on the podcast before. Yeah. Uh, I have lived in my house for 10 years now, never been in my attic because of the movie Sinister. I don't want to go in my attic. So putting myself in the shoes of this whole family was, like, horrifying. Yeah. I mean, the... the, the... So before I tell you a bunch about the family, I want to fill you in on the property itself. It's called the Richardson Richardson Arnold House because the original family that bought it, um, their bought the land. Their last name was Arnold. The property was originally part of a thousand acre lot that was broken out to different buyers from the original Virginia settler uh, John Smith. Okay. So this land comes with a lot of history. The Arnold estate itself was built in 1736 and transferred through different families by marriage, changing names based on the husband's last name as women were not allowed to own property themselves. Mm. Rude. Yeah. The original owner, Miss Arnold, reportedly hung herself at the age of 93 in the barn on the land. After her death, it was transferred to the Butterworth family, which sounds like fake people. <laughs> and then and then to the Kenyon family. Um. The Perrin family seemed to find it by pure luck. The amenities and land should have been wildly out of their price range, but they were able to afford the home of their dreams. So in 1970, Mm. Roger and Carolyn Perrin moved into the Richardson Arnold house in Harrisfield, Rhode Island with their five daughters, Andrea, Nancy, Christine, Cynthia, and the littlest being April, along with their family dog and cat. So it's early September when they bought the home and they began the process of moving, but an unexpected blizzard made that whole move pretty treacherous, Mm. but they weren't unfamiliar to the weather. Once the family was actually able to get to the home, the girls would start grabbing boxes and making their way in. Andrea was passing her mom. Like, you know how, when you're moving someone in and out, you like pass each other as you're carrying stuff. And she passes her mom and said, mom, who's that guy in the kitchen that she set her box down near and Carolyn didn't say didn't recall anyone being in the house the mom was like no one's in the house yeah so she just assumed that andrea the oldest misunderstood what she saw roger the father never relayed the haunting message he received (laughs) from the shocking yeah yeah Yeah, like you're not gonna tell your five daughters to be afraid yeah um he never relayed the message that he received from the previous owner so carolyn had no reason to think anything sinister was going on she's just Mm -hmm. like my kid's a weirdo so, a few weeks pass, and Carolyn starts encountering small piles of dirt on the floor in a room that... It's annoying. Yeah, that she just swept. Like, she just swept this room. But she wasn't thinking much of it. She went to go get the broom to sweep it up, but the broom is not where it should be. Now, as a mom, this is not a reason to assume your house is haunted. There was a time in my life that I could not locate any spatulas in my house, because my daughter liked to pretend she was Spongebob and hold a spatula while she sat on the couch (laughs) and watched Spongebob. And then the said spatula would fall victim to the black hole between the couch cushions. So we had no spatulas for a good, like, two years. And then we moved the couch to clean it. Like, oh, my God, here's all our spatulas. (laughs) And she's like, there's my spatula. Like, babe, you're killing me. 
So, the room not being where it's supposed to be with five kids in the house, that's kind of reasonable. Yeah. Um, so Carolyn, who has five little girls, like I said, was probably just preoccupied and just brushed off the fact that the broom was definitely not in the same room or place that she left it in. And initially, the spirits, while not necessarily welcomed, were seemingly harmless. The girls, they had the most activity initially. Okay. The girls did. Yeah. So the girls had two spirits, spirits that they actually enjoyed. Mm. One being a little boy named, they named Manny who played with them and then would watch them from a window while they played outside. Manny never came outside, but he was making me sad. Yeah, Manny. I don't like, can you not leave? That's kind of sad. Um, another interaction the girls were having almost nightly was they were assuming that their mom was coming in at night and kissing them on the forehead and tucking them in. And it wasn't until the girls noticed that this, this interaction they were having, the woman smelled like flowers versus their mom usually smelled like a citrus smell, like mm. her perfume was citrusy. And at that point, they realized that uh, it wasn't their mom. It was oh. the spirit that was coming at night to kiss okay. them on the floor. Yep. And tuck them in at night. Okay. But, you know, not ideal, but not evil, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> right. But the house only stayed civil and playful for a few months. Soon the spirits would become spiteful and aggressive. The girls had to start going to the bathroom in at least pairs. At least. Okay. Yeah. Because there's five of them. So yeah. like three could go at a time, but they never went alone. Um, because there was a male spirit who lived in the house that would bother them and touch them inappropriately in the bathroom. What the hell? Yeah. To this day, uh, Andrea, the oldest, she will never say what happened, but she said that there was something that shouldn't have happened to little girls by Oh, a my male. God. Yeah. Like, awful. Ghost. Um, bad ghost. They never had a sense of privacy. They would experience being poked or having their hair pulled while they were in bed, that their arms would be pulled, their hair would be pulled. So they just, oh, it wasn't going as great anymore. No. Carolyn, the mother, began getting haunted as well. She was also being poked, hit with objects, things would just like fall off the shelves and bonk her in the head. Uh, she was hearing voices and she just had this overall sense of dread. Um, the spirits began tormenting the family in the mornings around 5 a.m. And all of a sudden the house would smell of rotting flesh. Mm. And their beds that they were sleeping in, they would start to levitate and shake oh. so violently that they would fly out of their beds. Oh my god! So now they fly out of their bed. The house smells terrible. It wasn't a good. It wasn't a good time. Far from the beginning. Yeah, Roger, the father, seemed pretty unaffected by the spirit's ill nature, but he did have um, an encounter with some of the more playful spirits. He was never a victim to like physical harm, but he did report like. Almost like flirtati- flirtatious touching mm. by spirits. There's a lot of touching going well, on. Very inappropriate. So it had gotten to a point um, where a family friend was dealing or was speaking with the family and realized that they needed help getting rid of the situation. So, so on their behalf, the family friend reached out to Ed and Lorraine Warren, mm. which we've talked about before. Yeah. Um. Lorraine said the visit is one of the worst visits she's ever experienced, which is saying a lot. Yeah. Um, She said the minute she walked in, there was a cold, dark, unwelcoming spirit. Uh, And 
they had actually worked with Ed and Lorraine for about a year and a half. Wow. Just trying different things to get rid of the spirits because Lorraine's a medium. So she's able to like, to a point, communicate with them. And she was trying to get them to leave. It wasn't working. So after a year and a half, they decided that they were going to have a seance to try and cleanse the house because Roger and Carolyn were not religious. And mm-hmm. apparently if you're not religious, you cannot have an exorcism. Okay. Didn't know that. Me either. So Lorraine performed a seance in the basement rather than an exorcism. And the children were explicitly instructed to stay in the rooms under no conditions come downstairs. But Andrea, being a curious child, started to sneak out of her room and she realized she had a tale of three other little girls. So now four of these five little girls are downstairs and opened the door just enough to kind of see what was going on. And to this day, Andrea has a hard time speaking about what she saw. But what she will say is that she saw her mother speaking in tongues in a language that was not her own, in a voice that was not her own. And then her chair began to levitate and she was flung from the chair 20 feet across the room into a wall without ever being touched by anyone. That'd be traumatic to witness. Horrifying. She said at one point her mom rolled up into a ball and she would assume that at that point every bone in her like every bone in her body was broken because no one can survive being like that tightly wound. Yeah. But she was Yeah. Uh, yeah. So Lorraine determined that the home was haunted by a spirit named Bathsheba who lived in the home in the 1880s. Because of and she was able to put this together because she had been talking to a spirit. She wasn't sure who it was. And um Carolyn, the mom, had like a circle incision. The lights just like her? Or was that a car? I don't know. Don't like that. I think it's a car. We're gonna go with car. Okay. Um the Carolyn had like a circle incision on her leg. And as soon as Lorraine saw the incision that she said Carolyn woke up with one morning. She put two and two together that she had been speaking with Bathsheba. So hmm. Bathsheba was a wealthy and beautiful woman who had a wonderful son and husband. She had also lost three infants in their very, very young ages due to an illness, but that wasn't really uncommon for the 1880s. Uh, it was claimed that Bathsheba was watching a child for someone else. And while she was doing so, she stabbed the child in the skull making that same circular mark um, that Carolyn had as a sacrifice in a satanic ritual. Okay. That's... Yeah. People believe that Bathsheba made a deal with the devil in exchange for her beauty and sacrificed her three young children as well to continue her beauty and her youth. So it was suspected that Bathsheba was now in this home and she did not appreciate the competition for Roger... Oh. That Carolyn was creating, you know, yeah. as his wife. As his wife. And that's why Carolyn was the worst recipro- reciprocant of, of all the, the abuse. Okay. Recipient. Recipient. Yeah. Unfortunately, Ed and Lorraine were not able to convince the spirit to leave. Oh. Yeah. They were like, we've tried everything. Sorry. <laughs> and they had to leave the parent family to handle it themselves. Hmm. So now at this point, you're probably screaming, like, why don't you just leave? Just move. But these people spent everything they had to get into this house. And if they were to leave now without selling it, they would become homeless and destitute. And a lot of people heard what was going on. Yeah. So it would have been hard to sell at that point. So 
The parents had to live alongside these spirits until 1980, so for 10 years. A decade. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Until it was eventually sold to Elizabeth Sutcliffe. Andrea Perrin would eventually publish her autobiography, which became the inspiration for the film The Conjuring. Oh. Mm-hmm. Oh. So now the home was now receiving a ton of attention because of the movie. And Andrea, or, I'm sorry. Elizabeth? Elizabeth didn't appreciate the attention that the home was now getting because people were trespassing. They're trying to get to the house to see things because you know how people get. He's selling tools. Yeah. So she did some investigations and basically she was able to unsubstantiate a lot of the claims. So it was thought that Bathsheba was convicted as guilty, um, that she was killed for being a witch. None of that had happened. Okay. And when she looked into it further, the reason that nobody liked Bathsheba was probably not because she hurt a child. They couldn't, she couldn't substantiate any of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was probably because she was very well off and had a nice house, a nice private estate, beautiful, young. Like she was just the point of a lot of jealousy. Yeah. Either way, why are you haunting this home? If, if you are haunting this home, why are you if haunting? If she is. Yeah, if hmm. she is. So. To this day, Lorraine Warren will not talk about what happened in the basement. And Andrea stands by her claims. So what do you think happened in the house? I mean, 10 years is a long time to be putting up with this shit, too. Yeah. And, like, I mean, I get it. Because if you can't move, you can't move. But, and uh, five kids. It's not like. Yeah. It's not like if I called you and I was like, Aaron, I need a place to stay. There's only three of us. They're moving in seven people. Yeah. Oh, and I forgot to write it down. But so the dog, as soon as they moved in, the dog started acting weird. Hmm. And they just assumed that the dog just like wasn't taking well to the move. And the dog eventually ended up passing away, like pretty soon after they moved in. So now the girls were paying a lot of attention to the cats. And one day the cats just up and ran away. Like, they had been inside-outside cats for a while, and then one day they just took off. That's strange. Yeah. How did Elizabeth do there? She had no issues. Oh, that's weird. Mm-hmm. She and didn't have a husband either with her. I don't think so. Okay. And the parents did say that once they left, they weren't, like, in the clear. They still had some lingering issues, but they don't think that it was Bathsheba that, that went with them. But Andrea did say in her autobiography that basically once you're opened up to any sort of possession or getting attached to any sort of spirit, it never really leaves you. So you're, I guess, maybe just more susceptible wherever you go. Wow. But yeah, no. What do you think? You know, I kind of, I I don't know. I don't want to believe it because that's real spooky, but also because... Elizabeth had no issues after they moved out. Yeah. But maybe Elizabeth, was, if she was by herself, then there was no one that Bathsheba was fighting over. That's true. If there was no Roger, mm-hmm. um, uh, I would like to believe that there's only nice ghosts like Casper. <laughs> <laughs> this doesn't really sound like a Casper situation. Does it to me? No. So, I don't know. All right. But that is the Perrin family and the um, inspiration. And most of it was taken from 
the actual, and that was put into the movie The Conjuring. All right. Which I, I have not seen. I like that a lot. Yeah, spooky. I was scared. It's spooky. <laughs> all right. Well, that's all we got for you. Bye.